What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gatekeeper Media's In the Mix with Parked Podcast. You're listening to episode eight. We're going to be breaking down everything that happened in Portland, Oregon this past weekend. My name is Mitch Phillips. Joining me is my buddy and co-host, Mr. Zach Harrison. How are you doing, brother? Doing really well, Mitch. Thanks. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. Dude, it's, you know, it's it's always a joy. We get to get together, talk about some disc golf, and uh, you're doing, you know, having some fun this week, doing some dog sitting, something that people may not know about you. Talk a little bit about what you're up to. Yeah, man. So a couple years ago, really, uh, COVID ramped up this dog training business that I had been doing kind of part-time, and I'm still, still part-time, but uh, everyone and their brother got a dog Yeah. <laughs> during COVID. So. Which means everyone and their brother needs to train a dog. 100%. So... Um, you know, I tell people I'm a dog trainer. I'm, a, I'm really a human trainer because it's the humans that have all the issues. Um, but it opened up a lot of doors, lots of dog sitting that comes out of that because people want someone who knows their dog and them to take care yeah. of their dog while they're away. So, you know, that's me. I'm living the life. And yeah. it's throwing not, frisbees and dog training. <laughs> that's what's up. That's awesome. Yeah, this week I'm actually starting a new career, doing some classes, starting a whole thing. So lots of other things going on in life other than disc golf. But you and I did get to get out and play a small little, I would say, eight-hole course the other day, yeah. Platt Park up in Gainesville, Georgia. That was fun. Uh, first time I'd been out to that course, and it was just a really cool use of a really small property. Yeah. We ended up tying and then just playing safari golf, which you ended up taking it down. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let you have it. But just a little insight on what, uh, <laughs> what we're time. up to. But uh, what's going on in the pro tour where are we at this week gosh we are in i want to say beautiful but it we're, is, in, Por- it is we're in portland oregon it is a beautiful place <laughs> yeah. but uh this weekend was a little ugly you yeah. know it uh reared its head back and and rained all over everybody but we are in portland oregon playing the portland open Yes, sir. And let's just talk about the weather for a little bit. You expect we're in June. You know, we're on the West Coast. We've had some great weather. We didn't see weather and temperatures above 70 degrees. Yeah. It rained, downpoured in round three, had off and on round four. But just like summer taking a little bit longer to get to the Pacific Northwest, I was kind of surprised by that. I even had some players in some long sleeves, which is kind of just odd to see yeah. um, at this point in the tour. Yeah, multiple jackets. Um, I mean, rain pants, rain jackets, yeah. hoods on umbrellas out uh seven towels per person i mean they really had to bring it all Seriously. just to be comfortable and be able to perform out there thankfully it wasn't anything like waco if you remember that just nonsensical just record setting lows but it definitely kind of changed the players like setup and obviously having all the towels and then we were on very well groomed very cut courses um when you were on the fairways so there was a lot of skips a lot of rollers and it actually changed a lot of the game i think we'll talk a little bit about it on these courses as we get into this but let's start out with blue lake um was unable to be used in 2021 so really i mean a lot of the players that are now on tour obviously 2020 was kind of a weird tour with covid happening so a lot of the players i mean People that were on coverage on feature cards were playing this course blind other than just a couple practice rounds. Um, I love this course. I think it's one of the best you know, park courses we play. It was home of the 2014 World Championships. Obviously, we'll talk a lot about that here in a bit. Um, but, I mean, I think it's amazing. The rough is truly rough. Um, just very rewarding, but really low ceiling. Talk to, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Low ceiling with, with some really dense trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pacific Northwest, I mean, really, I think the whole Pacific Coast, yeah. uh, inclu- you know, California included, they've got a lot of dense trees. So if you go a little high, it's not friendly. You know, it's kind of that smackdown that we talked right. about last time we were here. Um, so really favors anyone who can put on 
a nice low burning drive still get their distance without having to work a spike or a big flex or anything like that and rewards the roller which i think having a roller in the west coast swing during it is just you have to have it um some serious highlights out of both fields uh happening but talk a little about glendevere um this is a redesign from dustin keegan he he designed it and how long was it last year was like a month not even yeah yeah so since blue lake was unavailable last year dustin keegan got out there they had mentioned that this may be a good spot for him to get into so he and zoe van dyke went out there and they were kind of rolling around seeing what was available and how possible it was um they thought we could definitely make a pro level course here jeff spring um the owner of of dgpt get get out gets out there and yeah he approves he says i think this is great let's you know we'll make a couple tweaks but yeah in less a month or or less or or so on right they built a champion quality course and Mm -hmm. and the cool thing is is that this year obviously they had much more time they planned to do half at blue lake half at glendevere and so he was able to redesign the course and make it perfect right yeah. great for spectators great mm-hmm. for the uh the visual side of disc yeah, golf. just had time to really like fully think about the course and everything in mind yeah and i mean even in the last year what disc golf has done and i mean we'll get to you know the winners and stuff but for the weekend to talk about spectators this felt like a world championship event yeah. there were spectators packed out rain or shine the environment was amazing especially at glendevere being able to just see those fairways lined yeah, it was beautiful. I, props to D- just Dustin Keegan for mm-hmm. getting that done and, and really making a, a disc golf course that's built for the Pro Tour. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's continue with a segment we call Running It Back with Idio Sports. We're going to run it back, get our hands going, get the legs feeling good, run a couple miles while we're doing this. We're going to run back to 2014. Man, I mean, all you got to think is Blue Lake 2014 and the beginning of an era. I mean, for so long in disc golf, we had the Climo versus, you know, Schultz, so many world championships swapped back and forth, all these, you know, amazing moments. But this was really, in my mind, the beginning of the era of Paul and Ricky. And gosh, going five holes, sudden death playoff, matching each other outside the circle putts, just insane disc golf. Ricky was thrown for Prodigy back then. Paul was still with Innova. Um, man, truly one of the greatest battles if you haven't watched it definitely head over to youtube and you'll be able to find just the playoff itself or you can watch the whole tournament um kind of pre-commentary and a lot of stuff too so just like raw disc golf really just enjoying it um but yeah let's break down that last hole of the sudden death playoff uh both were clean off the tee paul has great highs on the right side second shot ricky unfortunately goes to the forehand and hits and rolls pretty much right back at himself uh which was very unfortunate and really just kind of puts all the pressure for him to throw kind of a weird flex shot around the outside. Paul lays up and executes and, you know, takes down the win. But that really just ignited and then go on for Ricky to win the world championship in years to come, two of them to be exact. Yeah. So I think it, it truly set the standard and set an era of just a true fire between those two players. Yeah, what a cool moment in history to be able to also go back on. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things in disc golf of old right. wasn't ever filmed true you know but this was a head-to-head like dueling dragons type moment so i definitely uh second your notion to go back to youtube watch this and and just watch them kind of go at it yeah it is amazing so definitely just definitely want to run it back i mean you can't think of this 
this amazing tournament and not think of Blue Lake 2014. So head over to idiosports.com uh, to be able to get your pair of disc golf history. Those shoes are coming so soon. We've been saying it for a while, but truly they are on the way. Zach, I know you're so excited. Do you have an I'm update so on what the timing is looking like? Do you know? Um, I know that everything has been shipped. Um, yep. From what I've been told, they're landing in the port of Savannah, Georgia, yep. and they're about to be shipping out. So I I think 6-6 was the date that I was originally told uh, in an email update right. that they're going to be landing and putting together the, the shipping orders. So yep. if you don't have it, it's coming soon. Truly. I know a lot of the pros, I actually saw a lot of the pros using yeah. their Idiosports shoes mm-hmm. out there because of the rain right. and the waterproofing that those shoes have. Yeah, Craig was able to get out to OTB and then also um, be up in Portland. So being able to just see pros with those shoes on, it, it's awesome yeah. for, for Craig and everything he's built with Idiosports. But yeah, head over to idiosports.com. If you're already a Kickstarter, those shoes are coming to your door so soon. Um, well, let's get on to some storylines of the MPO recap here. Man, we got to shout out our boy Isaac Robinson from just around the corner here in Georgia. I lost to him and his brother when I was like 11 and I was in, or they were 11, I was like 20. And so it it, it warms my heart because now I know that they were better than everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but Isaac on lead card, three rounds, shooting the hot round, minus 12 to start it off. Yeah, gotta love seeing a local guy. I don't yeah. care where you're from. You see someone that you know. Right, everybody has their local guy. Absolutely. Yeah. You see someone you know out on coverage. It's amazing. It's like watching watching your buddy go to the pros. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, huge props to Isaac. We'll get into you know how things worked out for him in each round, but um, lots of great execution coming through. Um, another great face to see out there, Simon Lazat. Yeah, I'd having truly- Simon Lazat back on oh. lead card. It's just so healthy to see, and it's just a refreshing breath of air to see yeah. him out there doing ridiculous things even yeah, though as we, as we continued on like even though you were like we're in 2022 but it was like i had to check myself and go what year is it like is it 2018 <laughs> like 2017 what we got garrett girthy and simon battling for the win i was like where have we yeah. gone uh it was incredible we'll continue on that in a minute but i want to also talk about our last two years here at portland open champions are not here of I mean, Ricky Wysocki out um, with the, I believe it was the knee um, and stuff, just going to be coming back and pulling up his Instagram thing now. Um, Had to drop out, but is going to be taking some time off. Are looking forward to being back in Pacific Northwest in 2023 um, and looking to enter the second half of the season stronger than ever. So just, you know, prayers and thoughts to Ricky and hoping he's feeling better and taking some time off. Um, But yeah, unfortunate. And then Eagle still off as well. So really an opportunity to have a new champion on courses that haven't been played in a long time. Yeah. Um, Doors wide open. Yeah. Uh, Let's get into round one though. As we said, Isaac being able to get on that just fire of a round 1076 rated round one. Um, Simon, not far behind at minus 11 and girthy at minus 10. And really, I mean, Joel Freeman was in the mix. We had, you know, uh, some other names in the mix throughout the, the weekend, but it really felt like it was those three guys battling for a majority of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really cool to see the consistency out mm-hmm. of everybody, especially on courses that really like to beat you up. Yeah. You know, like we already talked about the trees, not very friendly. OB, not very friendly. I don't know rough. any trees or OB that's friendly, but there's <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Um, you know, they, they don't like to make it easy on the pro tour. 
But yeah, a couple of names that I had never heard of that even some of the announcers had never heard of. Noah Fivesh. Yeah, Noah is actually a player um, I met at the United States Championships last year. Um, absolute cannon of an arm. Younger player, yeah. uh, up and coming on the tour. Um, and just when he can get it all together, when that putt gets going, when you know the composure starts coming, I mean, he started out with a minus eight, sitting tied for fifth after round one. Yeah, like you said, absolute bombs. Yeah. Uh, if you guys didn't watch the Disc Golf Network coverage, he's on there. Uh, even in just some of the highlight footage mm-hmm. that they posted, just absolutely mashing the course to pieces. So yeah. really awesome to see people like that. Yeah, and also, you know, James Proctor. We get on the West Coast. James Proctor, definitely known as a really consistent player in California. Um, and then getting here into Portland, I mean, shooting a great round. And just, it's always great to see him. He has such a great form, such a composed player. Yeah. Um, really fun to watch. And someone else got a shout out after round one, Kyle Klein. You know, putting up a top 10 worthy round. He had a phenomenal, I believe it was third or fourth. I don't know exactly. Great round that he put up at champions cup but other than that he's been kind of non-existent similar to an adam hamas we'll get to him in a bit too just kind of having an up and down season but kyle klein starting out hot as well talk us into round two so round two um rain not super friendly everyone definitely had to be prepared for for being on the wet um lots of slinging discs off just shaking off all the water but um we had a hot round from another unfamiliar name for a lot of us max regitnik Yes, sir. Max Rogetnik shot a nine down, and that brought him up 40, four yes, zero spots uh, to put him in tied for eighth place. Yeah, I got to shout out Max. He's a good buddy of mine. Uh, we actually met at an Airbnb years and years and years ago. Um, got to see him in person at Champions Cup. So out of Sweden, representing uh, Disc Mania. Just awesome to see a buddy over on Parked Podcast. Uh, we consider him our European analyst. So he uh, got to have him on the podcast a couple months ago. Just, just a amazing to see faces that we have not seen and i mean i'm just going to quote old two world article from a couple months ago sexiest beard on tour is what the article said i would agree with this also zach and i big formula one fans you're never yep. going to see max in the course without an alpha tori hat so shout out to pierre gasly and yuki sonoda but i mean just awesome to be able to see a friend of ours to be able to be on coverage his first time ever on coverage jumping 40 spots dude like Ah, so exciting to see. I'm so hyped that he got to be able to be a part of that. He must be someone who feeds off the camera pressure because a lot of people collapse there. Truly. Yeah. Um, Let's continue on. I mean, we had some super highlights happening. James Proctor throwing in from 280 feet on hole one in round two. Just, I mean, we talked about him round one, and he's here to light up the fireworks in round two. And that's, I mean, one of the least birdied holes, being that it's most players are a roller, very low ceiling, and... To get some fireworks going at the beginning of your round. I mean, heck yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so everything wrapped up in round two. Uh, Joel Freeman also with a minus nine to match yep. the Rigitnik hot round. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after round two, we had Simon at 19 under, Joel 18, Garrett tied for second at 18, and Isaac Robin holding holding strong. Yep. Robin, Isaac Robinson. Isaac uh, Robin Hood. At- minus 16 so everyone just within three strokes of each other going into that third round and changing courses so we go to glendevere uh just very different i mean not as much low ceiling a lot more open bombs but still so technical um share a little bit about the out of bounds and kind of how that came into play 
Gosh, so the Out of Bounds really tested the players because a lot of the time there were these really specific shot shapes, you know, a big left or right hook where if your disc faded out early at all, like because of a tailwind, for example, you're immediately OB, not only getting punished with a stroke, but losing a lot of distance on the field, like for Mm -hmm. a guy who may be going with a roller and getting not only extra distance, but in the correct direction. Um, There was a certain hole, I forget which one it was called, it's lovingly now called the giraffe, just because of the (laughs) shape of the hole. The body is the the actual T-pad, and then as you go down the fairway, it's a long, skinny neck with trees that you have to worry about, and then you get to the green where it's just a tiny little head, and you have to land it in a really small space. So. Dustin Keegan was not trying to make it easy on any of these players out here. He really wanted to test. He wanted in a tweet, I believe. No, this is totally fake news, but it would be pretty cool to have it be orange and have spots on it. That'd be pretty sweet. Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of lettuce at the end. No, I mean, you're right, though. Is it, it It really was the fact that we got to see these course, this course and this design for the first time yeah. and some of these holes already finding identity. It's got to feel good for Dustin to be able to see that. Um, but some highlights from round three. I mean, the, Macbeth making a charge, putting himself in a position to really try to close out um, on moving day. Yeah, uh, Paul, Calvin, Calvin Heimberg, and Gannon Burr all shooting nine down, which... That I mean, that was the the highest, I guess, lowest scored round uh, of all of Glendivere. Yeah. So, like you said, Paul really clawing his way back, uh, being the beast that he is. Yep. Putting himself tied for third. Bogey free after round. round three. Yeah, bogey three, along with Aaron Gossage, also shooting a bogey free round. Yeah. Love to see him. Another consistent new name that keeps mm-hmm. popping up. Um, and then, gosh, Cole Riddellen, yep. just just an amazing third round. I, no, I don't know. He's if, 17, dude. I believe wait, he's 17 or 18 years old. I'm pretty oh sure he's that young. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, the way he holds himself, I never yeah. would have known that. Um, but a couple of stats that I pulled for Cole's third round, 85% fairway hits, which we just discussed is incredibly yeah, difficult. seriously difficult. He was 78% circle two in regulation. And then 78% circle one X putting. So not only did he usually have a shot at circle two putts, but he was nailing the circle one putts that weren't that that he couldn't get from circle two. So anyway, great, great round from Cole. Definitely had a a good time watching his footage. Yeah. And Um, just, I mean, him, him recently leaving EV seven, uh, with that sponsorship putter wasn't working out. He switched back to the Lunas. He actually, he's sponsored by infinite, but carries a mostly discraft bag, just kind of locking into what he feels confident in. And I believe he's from this area as well. Um, I'm not 100%, but I think he's from this specific Northwest kind of area. If you want to look that up real quick to fact check me. Um, but it's just amazing to see little changes made throughout the season. Um, you're nodding your head. So I'm assuming he is from this area. Um, Hillsboro, Oregon. There you go from Oregon. Um, so just having the hometown crowd, putting up great rounds, uh, and he ended up having a phenomenal finish as we're going to get into round four now and a battle nonetheless. I mean, for so many holes, um, going into this final round, There was players within reach, you know, within three of second place, but quickly, quickly, it became a two-horse race of Simon Lazat and Garrett Gerthy. Yeah, both players executing some incredibly difficult holes Mm -hmm. with maximum precision. We talked about rollers earlier and how effective those can be. They were lights out laying these rollers down. Yeah. 
putting it inside circle one or just outside circle one. Garrett had a lot of those 34 foot putts that he was just nailing. Usually where he struggles from. I mean, his putt usually is not the greatest from that distance, but he said he's been practicing that circle two, really dialing in that 40 to 50 feet. And that's what kept him on the podium for so long. They both looked so comfortable out there, both off the tee and on the green. Um, It is really good to see Garrett's putts hitting. Mm -hmm. I think uh, his, his straddle putt, the, the big high to low putt, looks really cool on camera because you don't think it has a chance like it, right. it literally goes 15 feet in the air it's just nail biter the whole drops way. out of the sky yeah. and crashes into the basket right but to see him give it give all his putts chances was really really fun um you know you just don't see that happen very often most people are spinning or it's like a, a ricky style push putt that goes mm-hmm. pretty pretty online to the basket the whole way um a couple of other people just to note gannon burr And Nate Sexton, both Mm -hmm. shooting the hot round. That was another nine down. Um, So back to back nine downs. Yeah, for Gannon Burr. So matching that same round three. um, Also, Gannon getting a huge amount of fairway hits, 90% fairway hits. Quick (laughs) math. That's what, 15 out of 18, 16 out of 18? Yeah. Right around there. Jeez. And that includes, you know, the par fives, the yeah. par fours, you know, hitting the fairway every single time. Right. Um, two other guys that also had 90% in round four, Adam Hammes and Chris Clements. Yeah. Great to see Adam Hammes finally just kind of get out of the slump. Uh, we talked about Idio Sports earlier. One of the Idio Sports sponsor players, Adam Hammes. Um, great to see just him find his, you know, his spot. I mean, winning, you know, pro tour events last year and then really just kind of being non-existent so far this season. So to see him back in that top 10 position, uh, it was incredible to, to be able to watch. And then Chris Clemens, I mean, it, it just feels like he is the most consistent lefty on, on tour. Nathan Queen unable to make the cut on the last day. Um, but really, I mean, you think lefty and you really think of those two guys. Zach Melton finds himself in there a little bit more, but it's just amazing to see Clemens kind of come out of nowhere, but is such a consistent putter and Courses where you'd expect left-handed not to be that great. An insane forehand out of Clemens. An absolute cannon. It's so fun to watch. Um, and another player we got to shout out, top five finish, Albert Tom. Yeah. Eagling hole 11 in the final day, pedal to the medal. Um, after winning a silver series this year, I mean, consistency is definitely finding the Estonian as well. Yeah, just a quick note on some forehands. Yeah. The forehands that we were able to see on coverage were just astonishing. Mm-hmm. Cole Cole Rodalin's forehand, Albert Tom's forehand, Luke Sampson's forehand. Yeah. Every single one of them are able to store so much energy in so little of a space. They don't do a lot of body movement, mm-hmm. but the disc just flies. And so you talk about the size difference hand. between Luke Sampson and I mean Luke Sampson's a big guy, Albert Tom, large guy, Cole Rodalin not the biggest guy. And when you're putting his name next to those other ones, I mean, at the age that he's at, I mean, uh, there's, there's big things coming. Yeah. It was amazing to see. And, and I think this, this format, the, the course itself really favors people who could go both forehand and mm-hmm. backhand. A lot of guys that don't really favor their forehand had to do a lot of flexing flippy shots maybe pull out a a putter or two just to get the shot shape that they want and honestly the forehand is kind of how this round 
wrapped itself up. I don't really understand it, Mitch. Yeah, we were we were texting during the uh, during the live, uh, and just uh, I mean, we're watching it. If you're listening to this podcast, you know how it ended, and I, I don't even. It's not even worth really breaking it down. There's just a lot of confusion. Um, yeah. If you listen to any podcast, watch any coverage, the comments are going to be lit up. The, the The conversation is going to be what was going through Garrett Gerthy's head when he threw the forehand on the shot after watching, I mean, Simon out of position on 18. They're tied going in 18 to kind of set this up. Simon is out of position, throws, just doesn't get his hips all the way around, slips a little bit, Heiser's out, then decides to go crazy and flex Anheuser, which is the Simon line. He does it. Yep. But it's very tight out of bounds, just outside circle one around that basket. And they also had a lot of waiting in between shots because of the mm-hmm. card in front of them. So maybe some things going on, but Simon goes out of bounds. The door's open for Gurthy. And what does he yeah. do? So Gurthy in, in a, in a shot shape that he usually picks a straight flying mid range mm-hmm. or a neutral flying distance driver he picks up a forehand and and it looks like he holds on to it too long i watched yeah. the footage again and it looks like he just hangs on a hair too long he i i think what he was trying to do is go for a flight that's going to only be one shape he wanted to throw the forehand hyzer and just yeah. hyzer it back in bounds but he hooks it and it goes way too far left and never no. comes back in bounds he and goes out early pretty early yeah. and never gets back in bounds so now he's throwing his third shot fourth mm-hmm. shot fourth shot fourth shot from 260 uh, yeah. feet away at least and now he has to navigate another tricky green with a tricky shot shape and he puts himself in that circle two range that he's been hitting but the issue was that he had a tree directly in front of the basket, so he yep. couldn't go to his typical straddle, big hyzer putt either because the ceiling that he had and it was from those hill. trees, gosh, it, he really had to try to spin it in there mm-hmm. to, to push it into a playoff. You would even say and he had he to putt like a Simon, honestly, in that he situation. He had to change a complete stroke to yeah. be able to get the disc to, to hit there. And... And Simon, I mean, he went out of bounds as well, but which was just crazy to see. Like, Garrett watched your guy you're tied with go out of bounds. He could have thrown putter, putter, and just gotten par and yes. walked away. and Or even not even, you just need a birdie. And, yeah, and then Simon was out of bounds very close. I mean, I would say edge of circle two, maybe a little bit, maybe in that 70, 80-foot range. Right. Doesn't even have to make it. Lays up just kind of a anticlimactic ending. Uh, it, it hurts. I mean, we'll, we'll get excited here for Simon back-to-back, but... For Garrett, it's just someone who's played the game for so long. Who's, I mean, Frisbees has been a part of his life for so long. One of the best backhand throwers in our game. It was just shocking to see just the the, the nerves kind of get to him. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could ask why the forehand. That's yeah. that's really what I want to know. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, he he fought till the very end. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he didn't get a great position to close it up. You know, still finishing second place winning um you know beating isaac who finished in third by still five strokes yeah, i mean, I mean they were far both, ahead both simon and garrett they earned those spots for sure. regardless of of you know how that last hole looked because it didn't it didn't look fantastic you know but no. regardless the rest of their tournament 
was just pristine. Yeah, those so guys many were, highlights. were ripping the tor- the the course right. up, man. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, going on streaks. I mean, Simon going a six birdie streak, holes eight through thirteen. Gosh. And I mean, the roller that Simon threw on hole twelve, final round, oh curling around the tree, putting him yeah. ten feet away. I mean, that's when the the, the pendulum kind of shifted towards him and just kind of stayed in his court. But uh, as we wrap up MPO here, Simon Lazat, man, back to back pro tour winner taking down otb taking down here at portland I, coming into the season simon lazat was not even on my radar as someone who could take down a pro tour event and definitely not twice yeah i i will agree i mean with all the factors i mean just having a baby this year maybe he's like man i'm a dad i'm ready to get after it you know i'm, I'm realizing that this is really you know for real i mean not that he's ever not been in the mix but man it just, it feels amazing. I mean, I was sitting in class today. I had my Simon Lazat sticker on my water bottle. And I was like, I, I just, I haven't even thought about it in the way that like, he's a two-time Pro Tour champion this year. And he's not wow. stopping anytime soon. His game feels amazing. He said in the interview, his interview, and after he won it, I mean, running around in the circle, just out yeah. of breath. I mean, <laughs> Brian interviewing him, just like, uh, I don't even know what to say. Like, just, just in shock himself. So I think it's amazing for the sport. It's amazing for the fans because of the growth that Lazat himself has shown in disc golf. I mean, over 100,000 followers on or subscribers on YouTube. I mean, pushing the limits of what it looks like to be a content creator and a top tier player. I mean, He's doing it all. He's, he's seriously doing it all. Yeah. What better motivator than a child that you have to care for? There you go. <laughs> a child and a brand new beer. So <laughs> not brand new. It's been a couple months, but um, seriously, just shout out to Simon. It's amazing to see him at the top. I'm excited to see what else he can accomplish this, as we get back on the, the East Coast. I mean, you would think of Simon in the previous years. He was known as, as crushing these kind of courses he's won these past two events at, but He's lived in the Northeast for the past couple of years. Maple Hill claiming pretty much his home course. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's crushing it in the open, I can't wait to see what he's going to accomplish in the woods. Um, but yeah, what a battle, what a finish for the MPO. Um, let's get into the FPO where we just had, uh, man, Valerie Mendejano, uh, everything clicked. Just everything. literally everything clicked and shooting a thousand rated rounds multiple times. I mean, Yep, and that's all we got. I mean, I mean, I mean like literally, it's just it, talk us through it, man. It, it is yeah, crazy. It, it, uh, what I what I keep noticing with the FPO is those who stay consistent find their way to the top. Yep, that's that's what I see. If you can avoid obese, mm-hmm. if you can make your circle one putts, if you can hit your fairways, usually that's enough to put you in the running, mm-hmm. right? You know, you do have to take some chances. Right. You can't just coast, you know, you really have to perform, but that's what Valerie showed this entire weekend from Thursday on. She was in the lead the whole time. Yeah. It was pretty amazing to watch her work because she was on fire. Yeah. Like I, I said, consistency is what it takes, but I mean, she was hitting circle two putts. She was driving out, driving most people on her cards. It, I mean, she was going after it. Yeah, I mean, she looked good when, was it Waco that she won earlier this year? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she looked great at Waco, very different course, obviously being at the Beast. But the fact that she could, I mean, there really couldn't be any two different courses than you know, Blue Lake and Glendivere here compared to um, being at the Beast. But she's a player that is known for her smooth form, but has been, hey, I got a new bag, let me figure it out. There was like high highs and then kind of some low lows, but now it really looks like she's got it all together. And you talked about consistency one of the only players to consistently shoot under par one of the, i mean the only player to stay at the top one but to 
move forward every single round and not drop down at all. I mean, Katrina Allen, you know, after round one, you know, maybe not in the best spot, shoots a good, you know, sorry, after round two, drops down into third. Rebecca Cox jumps up. I mean, these scores just very, very minute where Valerie just felt like she was in her own world. Yeah, I, I think she was unfazed by what other people were doing yeah. out there. I think she just wanted to go play consistent golf. Um, I mean, honestly, to close out round one with six birdies <laughs> yeah, in a row. Just insane. Like, I mean, she went on a, on a tear. She was only one under until she started that that those last six holes and said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go take first place now. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, Valerie Rebecca Cox shot really well. Yeah, um, good to see her up there. Absolutely, and Juliana Corver again, mm-hmm. yet again performing well at a at a pro tour event. Um, I I think that Blue Lake was a good fit for her, just in the sense that again, low line drives, right? Good consistent fairway hits. You know, being able to to hit your putts when it counted. Um, she did that really well. So we saw her in the top four. Yep pretty consistently. And then one of my favorite women on tour owns Goggins. Yep. Owens Goggins again, low line drives. She uses that shot to her advantage because that's usually what she throws anyway. Yep. So, um, really awesome to see them perform. We've always that said if own can get in the circle or even within 50, if she can get the drives locked in, it happens. I mean, look, oh, yeah. overall stats, I mean, tied for first C one X own at 88%. I mean, it just ridiculous. I mean, and that tie was with Valerie, whose putt right. was you know just unrelenting. Um, but as we Lights move through out. some of these rounds here, some of the other rounds, Cap Merch. I mean, shooting a nine eighty six rated round, a minus six during round three, just yeah. one bogey, um, only one OB stroke. Um, really felt like there was it was it was it was Valerie, and then it was like everyone else battling. I mean, yeah, and it it's it's not the most fun when you're saying I don't know who's gonna win, but. We talk about Formula One a lot, but it's literally sometimes you have these separations of there's just another level of consistency. We, I mean, looking at these storylines, we had Chris and Tatar win by, was it nine strokes or so, 10 strokes? Um, 10. Yeah, 10 earlier this year, but there's really no one else that's done that to that extent. Um, you talked about Juliana Corver. I mean, just the putting green really got her, I mean, 17% yeah. C1X. That that round yeah. two really, really hurt her pretty bad. Um, yeah, she dropped a lot of spots, yeah. six spots, really mostly on putting. Uh, there was a hole where she five-putted inside circle one. So, it, yeah, the, again, it boils down to mm-hmm. can you do it consistently? Yeah. Um, but it was cool. You know, the moving day, moving courses – at Glendevere really showed a lot of, of what can you do, right? Mm -hmm. You have to now learn a brand new course and start executing all over again. Um, definitely more than the than the MPO, the FPO. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it was night and day, the leaderboard just getting shook up in round three. Yeah. And I mean, even some of our, some of our top picks like Katrina Mm -hmm. in round three at Glendevere, her front nine, she was six over. You know, nine. like Jeez. through nine holes, six over. I mean, she granted she had an amazing back nine, mm-hmm. uh, kept herself in the running, and ended up going. Uh, what did she end up shooting? Oh, she ended up shooting two over, um, 
but held herself in the top four. So she was on lead card still. Um, but again, I mean, you said some of those separations, we had Cat Merch playing really well, playing consistent yeah. golf, doing her thing. She does have one of the, the bigger arms mm-hmm. in the games. You know, she has a lot of distance, but again, this course wasn't just distance. You had to be consistent and accurate. Yeah. A lot shape, of raised baskets. Right shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another name, I mean, we've, we say all the time, Paige Pierce, you know, was consistently there, but still, I mean, when you look at that between first and fourth place was 16 strokes. Mm. I mean, it, it's, it's tough to, to see that big of a, a push, but around that minus six to minus, you know, three, those names were very well known. Missy Gannon, again, you know, mm-hmm. making a charge, um, you know, struggled in the earlier rounds, but then really started to kick it in. Um, as she, I mean, shooting over par at, I believe, both her rounds at Blue Lake. Yeah, shot over par both rounds, but then was able to go under par both rounds at, uh, I mean, minus five final round there at Glendavere. So really, again, we've talked about Missy in the past couple weeks. She's starting to find some footing, starting to find some consistency um, on a course that, she doesn't have the furthest arm, but does have the ability to play clean. Look at what she did at, I mean, at Winthrop and yeah. at Hornet's Nest. I mean, those are two courses that don't require a ridiculous amount of distance, but require control. And that's where Missy Gannon's going to shine. Let's, uh, let's jump through some other ones here. Uh, there's one other person I was looking at. Uh, yes. Highlight Maria Oliva, uh, ah. serious highlight on hole three round two. Throws in for birdie from 202 feet. Um, just absolutely pure. I mean, online the whole way. And I just love that the disc golf, no matter how long we've been playing, no matter how many pro tour stops, how many throws, how many highlights we've seen, that moment when you are in such a locked-in focus and you throw in when you are not even trying to throw in and the crowd just explodes no matter what card you're on, if there's three people surrounding you, everyone freaks out that moment was freaking awesome for, for maria really absolutely absolutely all those throw-ins man anytime you're getting something outside putting range that's that's electric it oh, gets yeah. everybody hyped uh you just gotta love the feeling around how it just builds a little quick community everyone's yeah. in on your side at that point no doubt well i mean that wraps up really for portland i mean and really wraps up the west coast swing you know for now i mean it's it's weird to think that we are we've played a couple of these courses and we're starting to head back but up next i mean we're it it feels weird to not have you know not have ricky not have eagle this year but it's made positions and made spots for the mpo with people we wouldn't normally see um and i think the same is true fpo as we wrap up you know give me your thoughts on that we've had players win in fpo field from you know almost double digits and double digits but also names consistently in the mix new names um, what that's doing for the fpo field this year as we kind of transition almost to the halfway point of the season well i think people are really starting to figure out who to keep their eyes on yeah you know i certain people are certainly catching fire i think valerie being one of those um we're seeing some of the elite pros kind of kind of having to like drag through the mud a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think Paige is having a hard time finding her footing. You know, it's, it's a little odd to see her yeah. and not necessarily bad finishes from her, but just no. not what we are used to. No, exactly. And that's, you know, seeing it's odd because she's not in the top two. Yeah. Um, Katrina, the consistency's a little bit off, you know, she's again, still finishing up there. Not, mm-hmm. not way off. Um, but, 
Yeah, you know, it's it's a good way to see maybe what's coming for the future. Yeah. Who in the next few years might be taking a stab at, at more of these events, even right. if they're not finishing top three now. Well, now they've seen the courses and yeah. they've had more experience there. And honestly, some tough weather that they have to battle through. And um, you know, the experience, I think, goes a long way, maybe a little bit further than than the positioning at the end of the at the final of the tournament. But yeah, I mean, it's just fun to see everyone getting those stats. Lots of lots of people playing really well in in certain ways. Um, I so think it's going to be fun I'm to see when we have the European women come back. Yeah. Not having Kristen, not having Evelina, not having Henna has definitely done what we've seen without Ricky and Eagle now. Yeah. Um, but in a big way for those three. I mean, you think about what Kristen, Evelina, and Henna would have been able to do on a course like these two. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of, it, it's weird to just the way that our sport is at right now where you just kind of like, all right, they're not playing these events. It, it feels odd. Um, that is part of the pro tour building the, you know, the monetary side of it, the expectation of travel. There's so many factors. Um, but it, it's hard to gratify, like feel gratification when you don't have top players in the world at mm. the top events. Um, so I'm excited for them to come back soon. Um, I'm not exactly sure when that is, when they're going to return. I believe we're going to head over to Europe and the pro tour will be in Europe for the European championship before they come back. So a couple, couple of weeks here before we go, but man, up next, let's talk about the preserve as we wrap up here. Going to be in Clearwater, Minnesota, uh, June 24th through the 26th, man. I love this tournament. The property is beautiful and actually going to have two courses, uh, airborne disc golf, just, I mean, the brainchild of the touring professional, Mr. Kale Laviska. Um, this is from Disc Golf Pro Tour website. Rolling hills, wooded fairways, plenty of water hazards. This course is going to be an absolute treat with the championship layout being just an incredible challenge. So it, this this course has brought champions you didn't expect. It brings so many different styles, and it's just neat to see where you leave a Dustin Keegan design, longtime pro. We now head to a Kale Laviska design. It, it's amazing to see what these players of so many years are creating and to be able to play in their home states on these courses that they put so much love into. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see everyone tackle because it's, it's another challenge, brand new challenge. Some of them have probably never seen the, the courses before. Um, I don't know. Do you have a prediction, Mitch, man? I'm going to say the preserve. I mean, listen, I, I think courses like the preserve. I would love to see Nico, make a charge he, he's been kind of in the mix a little bit here and there um but has taken down the tournament in the past um i do think that nico could be in the mix kevin jones another one that is, has mm. excelled at the preserve um made some big moves and one that's kind of in the mpo side uh that is you know known in minnesota no Mindsma, um player that just i mean it's home state i believe of minnesota plays incredibly well um in that that place but fpo um I'm going to say there's just, if Valerie can play the same way she did these past, these past four rounds, this course is not incredibly different stylistically from what I remember, um, at the preserve. I think Valerie could honestly take it down again. I really do. Um, would love to see Missy continue that consistency and man own, if she can just get her fairways, those percentages higher, her scramble is always in a good spot, Yeah. but if she get those fairways going, I think we're going to see own in the top finishes as well. What about you? Nice, dude. Love the predictions. Um, honestly, I think I think we're gonna see Gannon take okay. take a good a good stab at yeah. this one. Um, he was able to pick up you know pick up his pace in the second two rounds, but um, 
yeah, I'm going to say Gannon. And honestly, I'm going to throw Adam Hammes out there too. Yeah. Uh, just two guys that consistency has been a little bit rocky, but I like what they do in the woods. Yeah. Um, you know, we could, we could easily put Simon up there just to ride the wave, but, yeah. um, I'll put those two guys in and then I'm kind of with you. Although, man, I'm going to, I think Paige is going to pick some things up with, okay. with a couple of weeks before the next big event. Right. Um, I, I think she'll have an opportunity to get over there, maybe get her head straight. Um, hopefully the weather is a little bit better. So we're not having to battle with slippery discs or anything like that. Um, but I agree with you. I think Valerie could easily tackle this one as well. Yeah. I mean, with a week's off to rest, weeks off to, you know, fix those tiny little things. I mean, it's going to be amazing to watch her, but do you think that Simon could go three in a row? There's literally nothing stopping him, man. Uh, his like, game looks so good. When, when his mistakes don't hurt him very bad, it's a, it's a good thing Yeah, because he can make some bad mistakes because he, I don't know, he goes for those big, big shots a lot I mean, of the his time. decision making has changed he even said he's throwing flippier discs like yeah, when simon is oh, not throwing tell. only pd2s like the game has changed but i don't know we could talk about that for much more time yeah. but that's <laughs> going to wrap it up here for episode eight here uh of in the mix but man definitely follow us over on uh instagram at gatekeeper media at parked podcast um and be sure to like and subscribe here on youtube if you're listening on spotify you know, go ahead and leave a little rating review. If you listen on Apple podcasts, leave us a review. We love to read those, see what you guys are up to, um, and be able to learn more what you guys want to hear a part of this podcast. Um, some questions that you have, um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, going into the ninth, uh, pro tour stop, sorry, eighth pro tour stop, but we had a major already this year. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to go to Minnesota looking forward to some time off for the pros. Uh, and you're going to be getting after it. You got any closing thoughts here as we wrap up, buddy? No, man, I'm excited. Things are coming back to the East coast. Um, I'm excited to, to just see everything continue. It feels like there hasn't been enough disc golf. <laughs> we have had and, some like week ish breaks. It has yeah. been a little bit of gaps. Yeah. And I'm okay with the breaks, but, yeah. um, yeah, good things to come. I'm excited for the pros. I'm excited for the tour. Um, uh, everything's looking good. So heck yeah. That's awesome. Well, that wraps it up here for episode eight here at the In The Mix uh, with Parked Podcast. Thank you guys for listening, uh, and we'll catch you all in Minnesota. My name is Mitch Phillips. Joining me is Zach Harrison. Peace. Peace, love, and disco. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs>